As we begin 2017, we begin at a time when there are a lot of people frustrated, afraid, discouraged, distraught, and it makes a lot of sense why they feel that way, why we feel that way. 2017 was filled with a lot of bad news. We were told that there would probably be war. We heard of all kinds of scandals within politics and the entertainment industry, so so vile that they, could, they couldn't even be discussed uh, in our newspapers of all places. Showed a disrespect for women, humanity. We are seeing injustice, and it makes sense that they're discouraged people because there's so much bad news. And, and we're also being told it's all fake news. We're being told we can't trust the outlets that are communicating to us, and so you can't really know what, what's true. And, and a lot of the news, if we're honest, it's just old news. It's just recycled stuff. It's the same old story. Uh, they, they were so traumatized and frustrated that, that, that not, not as many people went to go see Star Wars. Star Wars is sacred. Everybody's going to go see Star Wars. But a lot of people didn't go, why? It's the same story. It's old. So we got all this bad news. We got all this fake news. We got all this old news. But you know what we all need? You know what the world needs is good news. And you know what we got? Good news. And so in 2018, every time you come to Living Hope to gather for worship, you're going to hear us talk about good news. This whole year, our entire focus is on good news. And the good news is, is that although God could have abandoned us, He didn't. God was completely just. He would have been completely just had He left us in sin and said, you know what, you get what you deserve. And I know that some people say, well, no, no, a loving God wouldn't do that. No, no, no. God is not just loving, He's just. And justice requires retribution. But here's what God did for us in His love. He's given us mercy. What is mercy? It's, it's not getting what you deserve. The good news is, God is offering to us grace, getting what we don't deserve. Mercy, not getting what we don't deserve because of the good news. Now, we all know who are disciples of Jesus, who understand the Bible. In this world we're living in right now, this is not the world God designed. God designed a world with perfect harmony. Harmony with God, harmony within, harmony with the rest of the world. But most folks don't feel like that. Most folks feel brokenness today. Sitting there right now, some of you would say, you know what, I've got a broken relationship, I've got a broken health, uh, there's a broken nation, there's a broken government, there's a broken system, there's a broken heart, there's all kinds of broken... Where does that come from? All of it comes from sin. And God, again, would have been completely within His rights of justice to, to just check us off and say, I'm done with them, but that's not what He did. The good news, this word gospel literally means good news, is that God Himself entered into our world as one of us so that we could become like Him. The good news is that God came. He lived a holy life. He died for our sins. He's been raised. And now if we'll repent, that is turn away from, from our own self-seeking and self-sufficiency and believe what God has done for us in Christ Jesus, we can pursue and recover God's design. And that's good news. And that's the news that, that your neighbors and your home and the place where you work, that's the news that they need to hear that, that we need to see scattered. And that news has practical ramifications for our existence. Salvation is not something we put in our back pocket and make sure that we have only a death. No, no, no. 
Salvation is something that, that is to guide us in all of our decisions in life. And because of this good news, God has given us so many gifts. One of the gifts that He's given us is prayer. Good news, friends. Christ has come. And because Christ has come, God is listening. God is willing to connect with us, to hear from us, to commune with us. Let me give you a prayer, a definition for prayer. There's two words I want you to, to maybe write down real quick to make sure you get it. One you know, one may be new. Prayer is communion. That's the one maybe you're not familiar with. Prayer is more than communication, although it is. Prayer is communion. It's being in the presence of God. Prayer is not always talking. Much of prayer is to be listening. Much of prayer is just simply to be in the presence of God. Yes, it's communicating, but it's also just communing. Prayer is communion and communication between the children of God and their Heavenly Father by the power of the Spirit in the name of Jesus. It is a simple interaction that can release the power of God in the world. This is a power that we've been given because that Christ has come. And now that good news, good news, Christ has come. Now, God is listening. And God is is wanting to hear from us. Is He hearing from you? Is this a regular part of your life? Understand, there's no power without prayer. There's also a, a limited work that God is willing to do. God is sovereign. He's going to do whatever He wants to do. But understand, God is determined, in some instances, to only work in as much as His people pray and petition Him to be at work. There are times when God decrees that He will only work inasmuch as His people are willing to petition Him in prayer. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is a blessing. It is a benefit. And, and because of the good news of God, and God is listening, we have a responsibility to engage in prayer. And we need to pray. You know, there's a lot of times, I don't know if you feel this way, but I feel like that private at the Battle of the Bulge who went to his general and said, Sir, we are surrounded. We are in trouble. And the, and the guy said, excellent. We can attack in any direction. I feel like sometimes I'm going to Jesus. And Jesus, we are surrounded by darkness. There's pain. There's brokenness. There's hurt. And Jesus is like, good. No matter where you go, you got something to do. But you know what? Understand this. Everything that God wants to do in your life, through your life, through this church, for His kingdom, we can't do it. Only God can do it. And the way God has often chose to work is through the prayers of His people. We are in a war. We are in a spiritual war. John Piper says this about prayer. He says that prayer is wartime communication. Friends, we're in a battle. Here at Living Hope, we are, we are battling on so many fronts. Not only do we have a church with multiple languages, not only are we a church launching, planting churches in, with multiple languages, not only are we a church on multiple campuses and multiple venues where the gospel is going forth, not only are we a church that, that has people from different ages and backgrounds going into the workplace and school and in the real world to share the gospel, not only are we that kind of church, but we're also a church that's seeking to honor and to care for our city. So last night we had people sleeping in our facility so they wouldn't freeze to death. The devil hates that about us. He wants us to ignore the poor. And so we partner with Hope House. We care for those who don't know how, how to get over their addiction. We care for those who, who don't know how to deal with money and deal with finding a job. All of those things. And the devil hates that about us. 
And don't even get me started about global impact. I want to show, look what you have done. Pull out your bulletin. I want to show you what you've done. You've done it now. You have done it now. We committed and asked that, that, that God would enable us to raise $375,000 for the gift for Christ. Did you see what you did? You threw down the gauntlet. Do you see that number? Where is There it is. You raised more than $438,000 for the glory of God? The devil doesn't look at that as a people with a slight interest in the gospel going to the ends of the earth. He doesn't look at us and say, oh, we had an extra half million. We thought we'd just give it. No, no. He knows we're serious about seeing the world know about Jesus Christ. So here we are, this kind of congregation, multiple languages, multiple venues, multiple campuses, going to care for the poor, caring for our city, going to the ends of the earth. And then in our counseling center, hundreds of people coming and receiving good news, gospel counseling, and their lives being transformed. And now, like never before, we have to pray because now we're going deeper into the enemy's territory, friends. We are now going to care for the voiceless, the ultimate voiceless in our culture, the unborn babies. We got a vision two years ago. That, that vision is about to come to life. And I'm asking Alan Taylor, the chairman of the board of our pregnancy center, to come and share with you what's going to happen in the next two weeks that we need to be prepared for. So, Alan, tell us what's going on. Thank you, Jason. Good morning. Uh, over the uh, last couple of years, as we've kind of thought through how we want to approach this, the, the board, the elders, uh, church leadership has really come to a place where we feel like it's very important that we start this ministry with a building on campus. So there's a lot of reasons for that, but ultimately it comes down to, first of all, we want to make sure that everybody that walks through the doors of that ministry know that we love them and that we're here to care for them as our own. So with that said, I know there's a lot of questions, and obviously we're not going to get necessarily get to all those questions today, but next Sunday afternoon at 4 o'clock p.m., in the lobby of the worship center, and hopefully it's warmer uh, out there uh, next Sunday than it is this Sunday. But next Sunday at 4 p.m., uh, we're going to have a Q&A. We know you have a lot of questions about the ministry, a lot of questions about how you can participate in the ministry and the building, uh, etc. We really encourage you to be a part of that discussion. Then on January 21st, the church is going to vote to proceed on the construction of a building on this campus. And while we are technically voting for a building, I want to make sure that you understand that me, Jason, the elders, uh, the board, we see this as voting for a ministry. A ministry that's going to require a financial commitment, but more importantly, is going to require a personal commitment. It's going to require us to pray, care, and love our neighbor. It's going to require us to rely and share the gospel and rely on the sufficiency of the gospel to provide real hope uh, to these individuals. And as we sit here today, there's a lot of women in this community right now that need that hope that need the care and support that this center can provide. And right now we're going to share a story about a very courageous lady who made the right choice, who would have loved to have had the support and care from a Christ-centered perspective that this center will, will provide. So if you would, please watch this video with us. My name is Tanisha Simmons. I have always believed in God going through college. I kind of strayed a little bit. I, I went to church, but not on a regular basis during that end of the first semester 
I found out I was pregnant. And I remember telling my mother that, and she was like, really? And I was like, yes. And she's like, well, what are you going to do about your baby? And I was like, I'm taking him with me. And she said, well, how are you going to do that? And I said, well, if I had to take him to class with me, I'll take him to class with me. And if I have to, you know, I, I, I did not know how I was going to do it again, but I prayed about it. I'm telling you, I'm pretty sure they had all had abortions. My mother, my aunt, my cousin, they had all been through that before. It, as a matter of fact, probably several times. And so their plan was to come to me and convince me to have this abortion. You know, they were all telling me how I was ruining my life. I felt very much alone, lost. I knew I didn't want to end up as a statistic. I was just alone. I was scared. I was, I was very, very scared. Being by yourself and going through it, it's, it's awful. It's, it's horrible. You, you, when you already have all those hormones and emotions, just, it's so much going on already. You need a, a shoulder or an ear. You need something, somebody to, to just to, to listen, if anything. I think I would have felt a lot more positive about the situation I was going into if I had somebody that I could talk to about it. But I had nobody. I was everything. I was internalizing it. You know, there was nobody that I could give it to. So if I had a place like that, it probably would have meant the world to me. When I gave birth to my son, I was overjoyed. Overjoyed, over overcome with emotion. He had made it. <laughs> he made it. We made it. I know that without God, I would not have made it. <laughs> From very, very, very young to, to where I am now. The amazing part of it is that even though I I strayed, God still loved me. He still took care of me. He still took care of my baby. And even though I didn't have anybody else, he was still there. He was still there. For me, and we're going to be there for hundreds, if not thousands, of women and those babies, and we're going to let them know that God loves them and that we love them. And that center is going to be a front door to invite them to come and be in this home with us. And we're going to train. We're going to resource. We're going to care. We're going to pray. Friends, right now, we got to start praying like never before. We've got to ask God to do what only He can do, to change lives, 
I know some of you are hurting. Talk to many women today because of the decision they made. I want you to know, in our counseling center, we have resources for those who have made another step and went another direction. We still love you. God still loves you. And we're here. And we will help. And there is hope. And I want you to reach out and get it this week. Contact our counseling center. Know it's there. The church, we've got to start praying. And here's what I mean by that. We've got to start praying together. So every Sunday night, I'm going to ask you to go to our website. And I'm going to ask you to pray together every single day. And I'm going to give you stuff to pray about. On Monday, we're going to pray for our, our local and global partners. Tuesday, we're going to pray for our centers. Wednesday, we're going to pray for folks that are missing in action, figure out who we need to be calling and checking on. On Thursdays, we're going to pray for stuff that's going on in our nation world. Friday, we're going to prayer walk. Some of you are going to prayer walk your house. Some of you have newborn babies. You're going to be walking around your house with that baby, praying, prayer walking that house. Some of you are your neighborhood, your workplace. Some of you your school. And I'm going to give you a specific scripture to pray. On Sunday, I'm going to ask. On Saturday, I'm going to ask you to be praying for Sunday. We're going to let you know the, the sermon text title and ask you to begin to saturate this thing in prayer. And 12 times this upcoming year, friends, 12 times, we're going to fast and pray. We're going to fast and pray. Some of that for some of you that, that kind of scares you because yeah, you've never done this before. And I'm going to tell you something right now: fasting is not for elite Christians. It is for common everyday disciples of Jesus. It's just that some of you haven't been taught to do it. So today. If you want to learn how to do it, 4.30 in the fellowship hall, I'm going to teach you how to do it. It is simple. It is not rocket science. It is not for special Christians. It's for regular disciples of Jesus. And so there's going to be 12 times, one time a month, we're going to fast and pray. So asking God's blessing according to God's word, we're going to pray these dates and, and, and kind of in, in correspondence with the scripture. So January 18, we're going to pray Ephesians 1.18. Don't write this down. I'm going to put it in a, in a, in a, in a bookmark for you next week. It's just so you'll know what we're doing. February 8th, 1 Timothy 2.8. March 12th, First uh, Peter 3.12. March 12th. So we're going to have a corresponding scripture that goes with a corresponding date. So every single day, you're going to have something to pray for. Twelve times this year, we're going to have a time of fasting and prayer. And today we want to talk about, okay, why prayer? Why is it so important? And as I was asking God, who is it that we need to study? There, there, immediately it hit my mind, and, and there, was no, there was no second guess, there was no doubt. We need to study the life of Daniel. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, take it out and turn with me to Daniel chapter 6. We're going to start in 6, and the next week we're going to go back to chapter 1. So here's what I want you to do. This week I want you to go back and read Daniel 1 through 6. And um, next week we're going to be in Daniel 1. Today we're going to be in Daniel 6. And Daniel, what we find is a man who had a world like our world. Government division. He was in a tough spot. There was, a, there was a, 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 an undercurrent of hatred for biblical faith. And yet he stood. He stood through all the trials through prayer. And in Daniel 6, we find a great story. And so I asked Todd White to come up. Todd is going to, is going to share the story. Not that it's in your text, but leave your Bible open. He's going to share a text that comes out of one of the resources we provide for our families and courage, the Jesus Story the Bible by Sally Lloyd-Jones. So if you would, Todd, read us that chapter. What is that chapter called again? I forgot. Daniel and the Sleep. That's it. All right. We got some, we've got some uh, pictures to go along for those of you like me with ADD, so we can, we can kind of do both this morning, all right? Uh, it's a fun interpretation of God's true Bible. You can read this true story in your copy of God's Word, Daniel chapter 6. Daniel and the scary sleepover things were not looking good for God's people. They had been captured. They had been taken 
far from home. They were now slaves of the king of Babylon. But God had not left his people. He was with them. He was looking out after them. One of these captured people was Daniel, who loved God, trusted God, obeyed God. And God had given Daniel the ability to understand lots of really difficult things. It wasn't long before the king of Babylon noticed Daniel, King Darius, made Daniel his most important helper of all, put him in charge of a whole lot of other helpers. And these other helpers didn't like it. They didn't like Daniel. They wanted the king to make them the boss. They wanted to get rid of Daniel. So they spied on Daniel, looking for something he was doing wrong. They could go tattletale to the king about it. There was nothing, none, nothing at all. Well, maybe there was this one thing they could use because see, Daniel, every day, three times a day, without fail, no matter what, would go to his room and close the door and pray to the real God, just as God through God's true Bible says we should pray only to the real God. These bad men smiled to themselves. They said, let's go get the king to make a new law that you can't pray to nobody but the king. Daniel won't do it. He'll have to be punished. They were so tickled about this idea they had Roger, they ran straight to the king, told him about it. The king liked that idea. King Darius made it a law. Everyone must pray only to me. If you don't, the lions will have you for their dinner. Now, Daniel heard about this, but he knew that he must obey God. That God's true Bible said, pray only to the real God. And Daniel was determined to do whatever God said, no matter what it cost, even if it meant he would suffer, even if it meant that he would die. So Daniel went to his room and closed the door and prayed to the real God. And look here. The bad men knew that's exactly what Daniel would do. They could not wait to run straight to the king and tattletale. Oh, your most glittering highness, your law says, does it not, that everyone must pray to you alone, sire? Yeah, that's what the law says. Oh, your magisterial brightness and correctness, if we're wrong, but it would seem that Daniel is praying to someone called God, not to you. The king had been tricked. Man, he was sad about that. He didn't want to hurt Daniel. But he had to do what his own law said, that. So King Darius let his soldiers throw Daniel into a den filled with lions. See that, Mariana? Daniel, right into the lion's den. Uh, as Daniel fell, the king called out, May your God, whom you love so much, rescue you. The king went back to his palace. He went to bed, but he didn't sleep. Not awake. He tossed, he turned, he worried. Finally, early in the morning, at the very first gloaming of the dawn, he leapt out of bed and ran straight to the lion's den. Daniel, he cried, was your God able to rescue you? And Daniel said, yes, sir. The Lord sent an angel to close the mouth of all these lions, and they are resting its head in Daniel's lap with the biggest lion of all, Paula, purring like a little kitten. The king had Daniel brought out of the den. Look! Look at this guy. He doesn't have a scratch, the king said. The king made a new law. Daniel's God is the real God, the God who can rescue. Everyone should pray to him, not me. And God would keep on rescuing his people. A time was coming when God would send the ultimate hero, a hero who is like Daniel because he loves God, trusts God, 
obeys God, even if it cost him, even if he had to suffer, even if he had to die. And together, God and his ultimate hero would pull off the very greatest rescue the world has ever known. Something about when Todd White tells the story, I just get, I just can't help it. I just love it. So here's this Daniel, and and he had to make a choice. You know, he could have easily felt sorry for himself. Oh, poor pitiful me! Look what happened to me. You know, he could have fought back. He could have got a lawyer. He could have went and fought the system. There's a lot of things Daniel could do. You know what he chose to do? He chose to pray. He chose to pray. Every single day, you and I have a choice to make. We can either try to take things in our own hands, or we can trust God in prayer. Either we can do things our way, or we can trust God, and we can choose to pray. Now, let me tell you what the text shows here quickly. If you're choosing to pray, it's going to reveal three things about you. First of all, choosing to pray reveals our fear. There was a lot for David Daniel to fear. His, his big job, his enemies, the lions, it's not, it's not a Daniel feared. Daniel feared God. And understand when I use that word fear, I'm not talking about like a, a fear of a monster. I'm talking about reverent awe. Daniel was in such reverent awe of God that everything else seems small. Understand, until you have a high view, a real view of the greatness of God, everything else will scare you. But once you understand the greatness of God and you're in reverent awe of Him, nothing else will bring you fear. That's, that's because there's something that happens into you when you begin to believe in Jesus. And that's the second thing to get. Choosing to pray reveals our hope. See, Daniel had hope because he knew three things about God. He knew God's love. He, he, he knew God had a purpose. And he trusted in God's power. Do you believe those three things about God? Do you believe that he loves you? Do you believe he has a purpose for your pain? And do you believe he has the power to make all things work for good for those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose? See, if you believe that, you have hope. And, and that's, that becomes something that you experience. Choosing to pray, it reveals not only that, 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 you, that you trust God, not only that, that you fear him and you're in reverent awe, but that you have hope. You know, so many of the stories, whenever you read Daniel in the lion's den, they, the, the story ends and Daniel got out of the lion's den and that's the end of it. But that's not the end of it. No, no, no. Daniel, from that, developed a legacy. And I want you to write that down. Choosing to, to pray reveals our legacy. Daniel had a powerful legacy. It was a legacy of, of prayer that he trusted God, but it was also a, 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 a legacy of deliverance from death. See, Daniel's life was meant to be a picture of Christ. Think about it. Here he was, left for dead, raised, and through his raising out of that place of death, the gospel went through all the world. Look what it says in Daniel chapter 6, beginning in verse 25. It says, Then King Darius wrote to all the people's nations and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, 
for He is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and His dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. And He, and he, uh, he who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions, His legacy is that the gospel went to the ends of the earth because of His life. He chose to fear God. He chose to, to pray, which showed His fear of God. He chose to pray because he had hope. He chose to pray because he wanted a legacy that made an impact bigger than what his life alone could do. Let me ask you, are you trusting in Jesus? Jesus was the one who was left for dead, but he has been raised, and now his glory is covering all the earth. And if you want him, you can have him, and he will forgive you, and he will be your strength, and he will be your guide, and he will be your hope. And He will give you a life that has a legacy that matters. Some of you need to do that today. Some of you need to trust Christ. Some of you, my brothers and sisters in Christ, you need to trust Jesus. I know you say you trust Jesus, but here's the thing. Some of you are sitting right now and you have the fear of a worldly thing. You fear sickness. You fear finances. You fear the government. You fear world powers. You fear all kinds of stuff. Stop. Fear God only. In reverent awe, turn to Him and trust His love, His plan, and His power. And to do that, you may just need to come and pray about that. Say, God, I believe. Help my unbelief. I also need, there's some, I know there's some miracles that need to happen this month, this week, today, this year. And I want to invite you to come and ask God to do a miracle. To ask God to do something only He could do that you know He wants to do according to His Word. And I want to encourage you to commit yourself to this year of prayer. I know you don't know the details of it, but that's okay. God knows. What He wants to know is, is are you in? Will you right now say, yes, I will. I, I don't know how. I don't know when yet. I don't know where. I will pray every day. I will be a part of asking you to do miracles this year and just make that commitment. Let's stand together to pray. Lord, there is none like you. And what you have done is you have provided the means that we might have a, a right standing with you, a right understanding of you, a right life in you. We're so grateful for the model of Daniel. Can't wait to dig into that more next week. So grateful for the opportunities we have as a family of faith to be light in the darkness. So grateful that we can come to you. I know some who are here today who need to ask you to come into their life and give them new life forgiveness and hope. I know some that are burdened over things of the past. I pray today they'll come and turn that over to you and trust in your forgiveness and your love for them. Some need you to do a miracle, and I pray that they'll have the faith to ask you for it. And then, God, there's some today who need to come and commit and say, Lord, I don't know what this looks like. I, I don't know what it looks like to fast. I don't know what it looks like to pray every day. I don't know all that's going to happen, but I'm telling you, I'm committed to you. And I, I pray many will, on bended knee, make that commitment to you today. You're worthy of it. We can trust you. There's none like you. So in the spirit of prayer, come pray as we sing about the fact of who Jesus is.